Welcome back to Joystick and Mouse video game news and reviews for all you filthy casuals out there. My name is Alex. I go by Crossing the Gaming Community. With me, as always, is Diddy. Howdy, folks. And there's Jay Dimes. What's up? We're here bringing you episode 73 on uh, this day, uh, May 11th, 2020. Yeah, May 11th. <laughs> I had to look at it for a second. <laughs> it really is May 11th, yeah. It blows my mind. I'm, I'm losing track of uh, of the days, man. This quarantine thing's driving me crazy. But today we're going to be... Week eight of the quarantine. Yeah, man, this, this quarantine thing's driving me crazy. But uh, we have things to talk about. Lots of video game news to bring you. Uh, was there such a thing as Stealth Vikings? Microsoft was just sort of a meh on their latest announcement, but we have decided to play night, but have decided to play nice with Sony, um, and all that along with one of uh, those best of discussions on this episode of Joystick and Mouse, um, and we are going to be talking about emails. Um, so first things first, let's uh, let's go ahead and uh, give a quick shout out to Dukes who uh, wrote in. He has been on the show actually, and he's an avid listener says gents i've been catching up on the joystick and mouse podcast while i go on my daily runs appreciate the topics i wanted to get your take on this overwatch league star and the washington justice's best player Corey, just retired in the middle of the owl season so he can pursue a pro career in valorant do you think we'll see more pro overwatch rainbow six uh, rainbow siege and csgo players jumping to valorant furthermore do you think we'll see valorant matches on cable tv thanks and wash your hands <laughs> yeah. Hands, people. Thanks, uh so, so what's your all's thoughts on this whole valorant hype first well, i've never heard of the game until till this yeah, it's in beta right now right it's in beta yeah yeah i think that this is uh, okay. uh this is a new two different big thing two different sure. things here first first quitting in the middle of the season i'm gonna look at this exactly the same way i looked at this when my kids were decided to take up a sport you signed up for the season. You stick out the season. They say I'm you, a grumpy old man. Go I'm going dis- to disagree with you. You get to the end. You get to the end, no and then you can go. Work. There are no seasons in work. This is not you signing up for an extracurricular activity. This is his job. And in, in your job, you can leave just as quickly as they can fire you. Well, don't, so let's actually equate it but, to professional football or professional baseball. People get traded mid-season. People get cut mid-season. Yeah, but they didn't yeah. get traded. No, yeah, but they get cut. They leave mid-season. Like that happens, right? Yeah. Well, actually, let's People ask that very pointed. Mid-season. Let's talk. Yeah, let's talk very pointedly. This situation. Do they get? Do they retire or leave mid-season? Yes. Okay. So so here's here's so on that point though, if I was in the NFL and I retired, I would not be allowed to go play for another team. Well, so that season, he's not going to play for another team in his same sport, which I would equate to if he was going to play in another Overwatch league. Like he's he's Michael Jordan jumping basketball. Yeah, I I guess if you're you're going to baseball, the basketball or the XFL or the NFL. Now there may be some contractual things, right? So like the way his contract could have been written could have precluded him from retiring from one sport and going to play in another league. You see that with like Brock Lesnar trying to go going from the UFC to WWE. He had to get a a specific writer in his contract to be able to do that. But then I think like Deion Sanders, like back when he was doing it, Mm -hmm. the way the contracts were written didn't necessarily preclude a person uh, from doing that. So, you know, I guess it would come down to like what did his contract look like with the justice um as to whether or not they have any like legal remedy against him for doing that. But on the surface, I don't take any issue uh with him uh doing it. Yeah, and, and I, I think that for me, uh, he asked the question very pointedly, like, do you think that we'll see more pro players from a variety of different games jumping to Valorant? Absolutely. This is Riot Games that we're talking about. One of the yeah. biggest pro, like, um, uh, what is it? Like the pro esports companies out there putting out a new game. It happens to be an FPS. People love it. I haven't played it and I'm dying to play it. Uh, I just haven't really had time to dig into it. I need to get a beta key somewhere. If anybody's listening and wants to send me a beta key, yeah, you can do that. Joystick yeah, I didn't get into beta, so. Um, 
So, but the, the, the point is, is that, yeah, we'll, we'll see a lot more people, I think, jumping to that game, just like people jump from a variety of different games. Yeah, certainly like midseason, there's that whole controversy. And we would love to hear from you. Joystickamouse at gmail.com. If you agree or disagree, let us know. And will this in, uh, appear on cable TV? Absolutely. Oh, uh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I really that's, do think you'll so. You'll see that on cable TV. I think that if we don't see, well, uh, first of all, with this whole COVID thing, people have been watching a lot of esports. And we've talked about that on this show. And uh, this is just another game that happens to be readily available. People are going to want to see more of it. Uh, so I think this is going to, this is honestly, I, I feel like if the, the type of hype that Valorant is seeing right now may give something like Overwatch 2 a run for its money. So we'll see how, um, how all that plays out in the next coming months, whenever that game comes out. So, so, so what game do we think is going to suffer the most? Cause, Let's face it. Overwatch isn't going anywhere. I don't think it's going to suffer that much from, from. Uh, I think um, it will. Valorant. I think it'll suffer. You think so? Yeah. No. no. Only, only because it's the new hotness. This is the thing. When we start to see Overwatch Two come out, and there's this whole new whatever type of gameplay and other things that like there's going to be a surge again. Like these things kind of have ebb and flows, right? But we will. Um, but for now, we will see more and more players jumping from one game to another. I can pretty much guarantee that. Now, how long that stays up is the next question. So will they end up jumping right back to Overwatch after kind of going at this for a little while? Maybe. Maybe they stick around with it. It's all up to really how Riot does in presenting this game to the public, making it, you know, certainly as big of a draw as they did with League of Legends. Um, And in this case, yeah, yeah, and in this case, really, you're looking at a competition against Overwatch and CS:GO. So, um I, I think that they have the clout, they have the ability, it's a matter of execution at this point. So, big shout out to Dukes. Um thanks so much for taking the time to uh to write in to the show. That was really fun. And if you'd like to write in, you can do so. joystickandmouse at gmail.com. Um so dudes, uh w- I mean with that out of the way, we have something to I have something to say. What up? Are you ready? That's something to say. <laughs> I'm having a baby. I'm not having a baby. My wife is having a baby. Yay! There's a new Yay! baby. There's a new baby coming into town. Yes. Uh, you know, if you listen to the Dad Chronicle, if you listen to this show, you know that we had a miscarriage a little earlier this year. It really kind of turned our world upside down. And uh, this, well, my wife and I knew <laughs> a funny story about how we knew. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about this on the Dad Chronicle. So you can head over to thedadchronicle.com to uh, stay tuned to that show. But quick sneak peek it's really funny how we found out that we were going to be pregnant this time around it wasn't as uh as romantic as you know you'd want it to be um but you know just kind of given the situation earlier this year with our miscarriage um we had to take some precautions and knowing uh how things were playing out so uh you know, that's a good teaser for this episode coming out of the the dad chronicle where we'll talk a little bit more about that but everybody's healthy we're coming into the second trimester due november 19th taking bets on if it's a boy or a girl um would you gentlemen like to cast your bet five dollars says it's a girl i'm going for girl all right we but, got two girls but here's here's my thing so are you guys going to find out we will the, the june gender? 30th so so what what are your thoughts on not finding out? Can't can't do that. Why not? And then uh, that's like that's one of the one of the very few things left in life that it's just a complete mystery. Well, you know, um there are things uh, that I uh, I was trying to think of a of a funny quip. I just I'm just going to say fuck it. I, I want I want to know the good kid's gender. <laughs> so you have you have, you don't have the patience. To, <laughs> to laugh. No, no, and you know what it is. What else it is? And I'm gonna put some blame on Deanna here because she is such a planner and she's got to know everything all the time. That uh, she's just uh, she she she's insisting that we got to know the sex of the baby. So uh, we got we got to decorate right. Okay, Diddy got to decorate. We got to uh, plan uh. for the names. Um, we have some names paint, thought through. Paint it yellow works for either one. No, but you know what? Uh, that just won't work for Deanna. So we gotta we gotta just do it right, okay? We gotta we gotta find out the sex of the baby when we can. I'll tell you uh, where I'm proud of her though. We could have gotten uh, uh, some blood work done that would have told us what the sex of the baby was. 
that oh, would really? cost like two hundred dollars. And so we were like, nah, we're, we'll just hold off because we can wait a month or whatever it was. Yeah, it's like some outrageous price, but uh, your insurance doesn't cover it unless you're like geriatric or, or have some kind of pre-existing condition. Deanna doesn't qualify for either of those. So, uh, yeah, baby, baby Albisu coming November 2020. And Arya is going to be a big sister and it's going to be great. Very excited. Very she excited. She's kind of not uh, sure, a, like what's the happening. concept. Does the concept really? Yeah, like we just celebrated yeah. three years of her existence on this earth this past weekend. Uh, also, another way of saying that it was her third birthday. That was a weird way of trying to explain that. But she had. Uh, we we've been trying to you know explain. Oh, the baby's in mommy's belly. Do you understand? Like, and she's like, oh, baby in mommy belly. Okay, like doesn't quite click. She yeah. just kind of goes along with it. You know what I mean? So, um. It's still exciting, nonetheless. So, oh, it's very exciting. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. I shared that news with you guys a little bit ago, but it was a. This has been a a hell of a year, but hopefully, this is a little bit of excitement to look forward to. Diddy, um, you are expecting a little something, something, but not a baby. (laughs) Not a baby. Well, sort of a baby. Kind of. Kind of a baby. (laughs) Little mini. Yeah. Uh, I'm getting a baby smoker. I've been uh, wanting a smoker. You, the way you um, said that, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh, there's so J- many ways Jade, that to be destroyed. <laughs> you, you gotta be. So, what I imagined was like a little baby walking up to your doorstep, kind of walking up with a cigar in his mouth, knocking on. Yeah, the you know, ding you know, dong. the one in uh, Bugs Bunny. Yeah, hello, my the, baby. Yeah. Hello, my darling. Yes. Hello, my ragtime girl. <laughs> and I imagine that walking up to the door, and you're like, "Oh, it's my baby smoker." Yeah. Baby smoker. I'm sorry. I didn't um, mean to take away from your moment. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, yeah. Um, I've been wanting a smoker and we just, it, because we live in a townhouse, we just don't have room for it. But Traeger came out with these nice little mini smokers that, uh, pellet, pellet grills that you can, it's just perfect for the two of us. I mean, we're cooking for just us. So, so uh, this will work really well. I'll be able to smoke, you know, little things and. Uh, and you put a brisket on there. You can put a brisket on there. What a so hold that's up, amazing! It'll hold up to six uh, chicken breasts. That's pretty big. I mean, that's a good Which like is a for, reasonable for size for you two. That's yeah. good, right? Like that's good. Yeah. Um, it, what, what's going to be the first thing that you cook? I don't know. Uh, probably pork. pork. Probably pork pork shoulder so that we can uh, shred it and love it i made a pork shoulder today did you yeah that's one of the nice things about working from home you know i got up this morning put some clothes on went out fired up the the egg and you know just let it cook all day yeah man i love it that's one of my favorite things about barbecue is that you know you just set it Check on it every once in a while. You're you're watching like the fruits of your labor kind of take root. Well, this thing's this thing's a pellet grill, so yeah, you just fill the hopper and yeah, it set just the does temperature and say yeah. see ya. Yeah, that's cool, man. Come back six hours later, you got the whatever you need. Well, I'll need to try yeah. whatever your first batch is when this oh, subsides. Um, but like we talked about at the top of the show, we do have some fun news topics to share with you guys. I think some fun discussion, especially. So we're looking forward to some engagement as well on these topics. So. Uh, keep that in mind as you're listening. You can email in and we'll read your responses. Joystickandmouse at gmail.com. So let's jump right into the news. All right. Our very first thing is that we got some Assassin's Creed Valhalla, Valhalla uh, news to talk about. Uh, more so a discussion around this topic. So Assassin's Creed Valhalla has been officially announced, confirming a lot of of uh, what we already suspected. Ubisoft's next Assassin's Creed game is coming in 2020, and it's all about Vikings. As leader of a Viking clan, players will clash with the Saxons as the Norse warriors attempt to settle in England. Now, this was kind of prompted from our last episode. Towards the end of it, we said that we'd like to have kind of a lively discussion about the state of Assassin's Creed games. Um, They started out, it's been, shoot, over 10 years right it's been over maybe 10 years since the first assassin's creed game wow. came out 
And uh, that, that, that was that long. When, when you think about the state of the game, where it stands today and where it started, the gaming, the, the game experience, it's very different. So I want to start there. Um, and uh, well, actually, I'm sorry, before we start there, I should say, let, let's talk about Valhalla for a moment. Uh, what we know about it. You're playing as as a Viking. You're trying to settle in England. You're you're fighting against um, King Alfred, the Great of Wessex. Um. So so you're you're basically uh, what what it's probably going to end up being is that you know you've got the the Templars who are the the normal bad guys in this situation. They are uh, the English, you know royalty and etc so you're probably going to be battling against that um there are throwing axes you can dual wield pretty much any combination of weapons even two shields if you wanted to uh two axes is pretty cool though so the assa uh, the classic assassin hidden blade is back although it's less hidden this time it comes out the top side of ivor's gauntlet i think that's how you say his name ivor um so here's and here's kind of the crux of this uh, conversation, okay? In this article that we have linked from PC Gamer, it says, Despite a hidden blade, Ivor isn't necessarily an assassin. Ubisoft is staying cryptic about Valhalla's story right now, but creative director Ashraf Ismail, Ismail, Ismail did tell us a bit about Ivor's connection to the assassins during the cinematic trailer breakdown. In the trailer's clim climactic battle, Ivor uses a hidden blade, um... But that doesn't mean that they're part of the assassin organization. Ismail said that Ivor doesn't meet and work with assassins early in the game, but clarified that Ivor does know doesn't know much about them. He mentions that Ivor uh, shares common ground with the assassins, probably meaning that Ivor's toppling of Saxon rulers also rids the assassins of a few Templars. Okay, so let's kind of use this as a launching point for the conversation. And I'd like to start, if you don't mind. Assassin's Creed to me has always been really about that experience of being an assassin, um, much less of an RPG, way more of an action game and a stealth action game. You know, if you were to be surrounded by a ton of people, you could potentially be in a lot of trouble. You were, you have to really be tactful about how you enter situation, the avenues at which you reach your target and kill him and escape more and more over the past several years, we've gotten into situations where this is way more of an action. Um, well, this is, it feels more like, I don't know, like God of war where, you know, you, there, there's not much subtlety to your craft as a, as an assassin. Um, this is especially evident when, as an assassin, you could carry around a heavy axe and a long sword, uh, things like that that started to become apparent in like the Assassin's Creed, like some of the late Ezio games. I'm pretty sure you could get some of those, especially in uh, in, in what was it, uh, Brotherhood? Um, not Brotherhood. What was the one? Uh, what was the one in France? Was it Brotherhood? Uh, th that was my least favorite one. But like, you could really like go out full warrior. Fast forward to, shoot, Odyssey, the one before this one, the latest one, game I still haven't beat to this date because you're playing as a Spartan warrior. <laughs> like, I kind of get how they're tying in some of the assassin things to it. Yeah, you can still sort of assassinate people. Um, But, dude, like, like, I look at this. You're running around as a fucking warrior. It's not very assassin-y to me. With that in mind, yeah, I, I want to hear what you guys think. I mean, this from a person who's never finished an Assassin's Creed game and probably never will. Um, most of the Assassin's Creed games, I feel like, or at least those recently, don't involve characters who are stealth. Um, I didn't feel like Origins was overly stealthy. I didn't think Odyssey was overly stealthy. Black Flag didn't involve stealth so much. I think that's where it ended. Well, Syndicate was pretty was kind of stealthy. Yeah, 
Syndicate was. I like well, Syndicate. I thought that was cool. Okay, so so I never until recently I never really got into stealth games that much at all. And one of the reasons I never got into Assassin's Creed was that very first game was so stealthy. You had to sneak everywhere to do anything. And so I haven't played the the later ones for that very reason. Can I just so say I might like this? Yeah. The game's not called Stealth Creed. <laughs> it's called Assassin's Creed. True, you, so you can be an assassin point, by walking up and smacking him in the face with the axe. <laughs> is that you kill people, not necessarily that you do it as Sam Fisher. So I don't know that I really have so much of a problem if it's not stealthy anymore. All I ask is that they don't ask me to steer ships <laughs> and that you keep getting to kill people. And I think it'll be okay. <laughs> Yeah, when I, I mean, when I first heard about this, I, uh, all I could think was God of War. I mean, this just has God of War written all over it. And that's like, so that, yeah, and that's great. I love God of War. I just don't feel like I have Assassin's Creed anymore. The, the thing that's always kind of remained consistent, though, is this kind of like back lore of gods and creation and, and what does our, in this, like existential questioning of humankind and like that's always been really prevalent in all these games and i'm sure we're going to see a lot of that with some really cool norse gods and all that sort of stuff right but another thing that's been fairly consistent throughout all the games is the brotherhood and uh that i'm having trouble like I don't want to judge a book by its cover by any means because maybe we'll play Valhalla and it'll be great. But what I hate is this now kind of micromanaging of gear that I have to do in Assassin's games that, that really started with origins actually that like ever since origins, I, I have not enjoyed Assassin's Creed games as much. And and I'm hoping that that gets remedied. I'm not sure that they had a choice. They sort of had to put in gear upgrades and stuff in the game and let you tailor them to how you wanted to play. Yeah. I mean, that's sort of a prerequisite for an RPG nowadays. But that's the thing is like, it makes sense in a game like The Witcher. I don't know. Like, that's not the experience I was looking for in Assassin's Creed. If I wanted to use a different type of like... The thing I liked about Assassin's Creed 1 is that I it was I kind of liked the limiting factor of I had a dagger, I had a sword, and I had my hidden blade. And I had like little things that poof, I disappear, you know, like assassiny things. Now I'm running after these fuckers trying to chop their heads off with an axe. Like that that to me just doesn't feel assassiny and I don't know, man. So I I wonder if some of this is based off of finding economical ways to make games, right? And what I mean by that is if you look at how the framework for an Assassin's Creed game works now, it works a lot like what Ubisoft is doing with the Clancy games. Right? Like, if you look at the way Division works, like it's managing gear, it's, you know, your upgrades and things like that. Right? It's the same thing with, like, Rainbow Six. It's the same thing with um, Ghost Recon. It's the same thing that they were doing with um, what's the other one with Sam Fisher? Um, Splinter Cell. Right? It, it it feels like what they're doing is they're reskinning a game, but they're keeping a lot of the mechanics of the game the same. And I think that has led to some of the removal of the need of like your stealthiness, because that's not things that you see in the mechanics of the other games. That, that Ubisoft is making, with the exception of when they were making Splinter Cell, but they're not making Splinter Cell anymore either. So, you know, maybe that goes hand in hand. Yeah, that's a possibility. I, I, I'll i say this, though. One of the things 
I dislike about the division is how much configuration there is. Like, I'll pick up a gun. I have no idea whether it's better than the one I'm holding or not. Well, that's the thing. That that is, the, and that's to my point, right? Like, well, I don't want to micromanage mean, my fucking. But when you yeah, when, just give me a gun and give me a score and say yeah, it's better. I, I'm, I'm. Well, I mean, but literally, when you pick up a gun, if you hit Y, it'll show you the comparison of that gun to the gun that you're holding. Right, but, but I'm. It like, also it it also depends on like the type of gun, so it's an easier yeah. comparison when you're looking at an AR, two ARs. But like if you're looking at an SMG and you're holding an AR, well, that becomes a more difficult yeah, decision to make. Right, and there's ten different kinds of guns. But, I don't like. Uh, also, don't though, to to the point, like going back to Assassin's Creed, because like I don't, I don't care about doing that necessarily for weapons. It's more like kind of that gear grind and i don't know it like if i want that i'll play world of warcraft like i kind of like being able to jump into that game the thing See, that i like about ubisoft games by the way it. you just said it alex that's why they're doing it because you just said you'd go play world of warcraft but that's what they're trying to give to all of these people. But see, I think that was I don't a want charm. It. I don't want it. That was the charm of Assassin's Creed was that, you know, you didn't have to worry about that crap. You just went and killed people. But 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 what I think they're trying to do is keep people in their game. Like that's how the, that's how World of Warcraft has, has kept you all in the game for decades is that they give you a story and they give you a consistent grind for new gear. And, and see, this sort of goes to the fact of what we were talking about last week about making it more accessible to people. Are they trying to broaden the scope of, of player that they're catering to here and losing what originally made the, great, made the game great to begin with? Well, I think it depends on the game. So, like, for instance, with The Division, I think in some ways the way The Division was um, marketed to the audience, I think we knew that we were going to get something that was a little closer to WoW than it was to Ghost Recon or Call of Duty. Maybe is a better is a better because Call of Duty, you're not out there chasing new gear; you're just out there chasing people. Yeah. Um. But I, but for something like Assassin's Creed, I think the way you justify having a $130 version of the game is that you have to give people reasons to keep coming back. You know what make me come back, game. though? Story. It doesn't have to be progression for better gear because it's not even a multiplayer game. Like, I could see that gear progression piece making sense for, for a game like The Division where it's all multiplayer. A game like Assassin's Creed where I'm in it yeah. to have an adventure... And like have an experience like I would in, uh, like I think of games like even Tomb Raider and uh, Far Cry, um, the uh, Nathan Drake like like Uncharted, all that. That that's like a specific type of adventure game, and and for for a while, Assassin's Creed kind of fell into that. But, but some people don't play the division for multiplayer. I play the division for the grind, right? Yeah. I don't play WoW, but I do play the division for the grind. Yeah. And, and I think for you all, because you all play WoW, yeah. these console games that come for the grind don't meet what you all are looking for because exactly. you all come to you the console it. to look for something that's different than WoW. But what, the, what these people are trying to give to their consumers is something that meets the need of WoW. Yeah, right? no, you're right. People you're right. want to come into a game and stay in it and have a reason to stay. And to me, like, and that makes total sense, right? But for me, that's a detriment to my own personal enjoyment of these games. So what I would tell you is that as as somebody who's not finding what they want in Assassin's Creed anymore, you should go play Hitman. You know, I've never played a Hitman game. You should yeah, go play I've Hitman. never played Hitman either. Oh my god. Y'all should go play Hitman because it is tr it is truly a stealth game. And hate it. <laughs> the, the re the replay ability of that game is based solely on trying to find a new way to kill somebody stealthily. That's funny, man. Yeah, uh, it's funny. You know what got me into to playing stealth uh, recently was Monster Hunter. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. that's another game that I need to get back to. I had so much trouble killing things until I figured out I could just stealth behind it and and kill it, one-shot it. It was like, why well, I'm doing this all the time yeah, now. Yeah, that's, that's a stealth <laughs> game. And that's why nope. it's satisfying. I think it's cool. But uh, And I, go ahead, go ahead, finish your thought. I think you all should go play um, Splinter Cell Blacklist, which was one of the which was the first Splinter Cell game that gave you options. You could play the game stealth. You could play the game loud. You could play the game somewhere between, and it had paths and equipment to, to allow you to accomplish either three of those things. Yep. So you could really play each mission three different ways and figure out how the figure See, out that's how cool, man. That's what I, and I really like that about Dishonored. I thought that was a lot of fun. Um, I also think you all should go back and look at, uh, whatever the Hitman game was, the last game that came out for the 360. Um, Ryan Rohr played a, a whole. Ryan oh, I know. I I lived with him during that, that time. That's funny that you Hitman. said that. I was gonna t- I was gonna talk to that specifically because he and I lived together, and I remember um, watching him play that game, playing the same level over and over again because yeah. he wanted to get the special. Yeah, and whatever. they gave you they gave you something for completing it different ways and for finding all of the ways that you could do it. So cool. man. So, yeah. Well, um, um and I do want to, I do want to move on cause we got a couple of other news topics that we need to bring up, but I, but I first, I want to invite the folks listening here. If you've got opinions on how the Assassin's Creed franchise has, you know, has evolved over the past several years, write in, let us know, because uh, I would love to hear everybody's perspective. You can email joystick and mouse at gmail.com um and this kind of leads into it you know this is a game that's going to appear on some of this next gen stuff and tim we've got some news all around xbox uh series x so why don't don't you chime in with that uh we've now seen the first showcase of next gen gameplay at least some of it from microsoft and the xbox series x and whelmed seems to be the word of the day it's it's all over social media at the moment and it illustrates the general reaction to Microsoft's live stream. This reminds me of a line from 10 Things I Hate About You where the sister was like, you can be overwhelmed and you can be underwhelmed, but can you just be whelmed? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Apparently, yes, you can. (laughs) So, uh, Tim, did you get a chance to see some of the gameplay stuff? Yeah, I looked at some of it. I'm not surprised at this feeling. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, what else can you do? Like, I I don't think power is really going to get people better gameplay. Power gets you better graphics. It makes things smoother and cleaner. But in and of itself, I don't know that it's 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 going to be anything overwhelming. Yeah, but you know what? We're we're at a point of diminishing returns when it comes to power and graphics. And yeah, you're right. And, you know you. The difference between the new Xbox and the Xbox X, what, uh, the what 4K X? one, it's not that different. No. Really, if, it's if not. If you're coming from a, a first, like like Will has a day one Xbox one. Right? I had one of mm-hmm. those. Now, granted, he would need a new TV to really see it. But like the difference between that Xbox and my Xbox is night and day. TVs being equal, which they are not, but TVs being yeah, I mean if you're playing... But you're not going to see it. Not really. Yeah, not really. You know, the the big thing, and I've never thought this was a big deal as an Xbox player, but the biggest thing that will probably happen for Xbox players is that we'll see consistent frame rates. And that's never been a pet peeve of mine. But I know that there were a lot of people that were like, oh, you know, it doesn't hold a frame rate. It's variable throughout whatever, you know, PS4 holds 60 frames a second, you know, consistently in this game. So we'll see. We'll probably see the end of that. Yeah. But other than that, I don't know that you'll see. Yeah, but we we didn't see any games that were just like, wow, you know, just just sort of. Yeah. yeah, it just was. They uh, were all. I mean, like, don't get me wrong. They were all pretty. really pretty. Yeah, but oh, nothing. Yeah, they, honestly, like, I looked at that one. Like, what was the first one that that they showed? It was that first person thing with like swords and guns. I forgot what it was called, but 
It's like where the man, uh, the Mandalorian, the, the uh, DeLorean, <laughs> God damn it, uh, swung up there and like picked the guy up. Uh, I would equate some of those graphics to Ghost of Tsushima, which which we've seen some gameplay graphics of. Like it was it wasn't mind blowing, but the, the ability. Like, art, do new ideas exist for games? Like, what do you do next? I mean, at, at the end of the day, it's like, how real do you get? At some point, um, like, the Hellblade 2 trailer is outrageously beautiful. Um, yeah. And we've seen that before. But, like, it was, um, yeah, like, I think this ultimately comes down to, yeah, like, it's it's a super powerful engine. Um you know, at the same time with technology being where it is today, as opposed to where it's going to be five years from today, it's going to be very different. We might have a different feeling about what we see in five years, graphically speaking, compared to, um, you know, I think what we saw today is very comparable to existing ability on like a PS4 Pro or an Xbox One uh, X, uh, because that is the benchmark that people are living at today and what's capable of being developed today and, and where art is today. I think, and the same could be said about where the PlayStation four and Xbox one were when they were first announced, when we saw those products demoed for the first time, they looked pretty good and it was better than the Xbox 360 or the PS three or whatever. It, it was better than that. It wasn't tremendously better. It only really hit its stride where we saw they were able to maximize all the use of the platform five years or so in, whatever it was. It was like three to five years in. That's where we started to see things change. That's where we started to see, like, quote-unquote, mind-blowing graphics. If we could – I'm I'm still at the point, though, where I am so satisfied – with a lot of what my PlayStation 4 Pro can do. Um, like, there are some things that could be a lot better. Like, I think of some of the rendering speed, things like that. I, I, I'm, I have a feeling that, like, that will all come into fruition in the next few years, though. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't really know where I stand on this thing. Because I'm pretty happy with what I see today. Um, and... and Hyper realism to me is kind of jarring and shocking, and I don't know that I really appreciate it too much uh, <laughs> as a consumer. It's like, yeah, it's real pretty, but it's a little too pretty. <laughs> like, uh, it, I don't know. Uh, so, so yeah. at some point, yeah, things like what is that Detroit to human? Yeah, uh, yeah, just... yeah. So it's like, at what point is too real? You know, too real, right? So, um, any final thoughts on that? No, nah, like, like like I said, I, yeah, you're, you're just you're gonna have to come up with something else other than graphics to grab people. Yeah, yeah, because it's already pretty good, and I mean, yeah, we'll see. I don't know. You can write in, and let us know your thoughts on this whole topic if you if you saw the Series X and and uh, what were your reactions to it. You can email joystickmouse at gmail dot com. All right, Diddy, you've got your news topic. All right. The opening stage of a video game is arguably the most important section of the whole game. Agree with that 100%. As with any medium, games have to capture their audience from the very beginning. As attention spans dwindle and great, and great games are released seemingly every other day, game introductions have to hook the player in and encourage them to experience everything that the game has to offer. So this article set then went on to to say what their top game openings were of all time. And yeah. so I posed the question to the guys today, what was your favorite game opening of all time? So um, uh, and let me let me quickly go through the list that they have here because these are worth mentioning. Um, starting at the top of the list, Killzone. And then uh, Metal Gear Solid 3, uh, Forza, Horizon 4, Max Payne 2, um, Kingdom Hearts, God of War, you know, the new God of War, Yakuza 0, 
and Metal Gear Solid One. Um, I think they're. Uh, I, I'm pretty familiar with a lot of those. Uh, it, and it's funny because on my list was Kingdom Hearts. Actually, one one of them. Um, and and here's why I think that I I fondly remember being a kid. Uh, when when Kingdom Hearts One came out, I wasn't a kid. I, well, I was a kid, but I was uh, I, w- I was in middle school or high school or something but listening to like like i remember being up super early for for school and uh yeah it was high school because i woke up really really early eating breakfast watching tv i would always turn on cartoon network because they had like looney tunes and stuff playing in the morning and they would always play a uh, um this trailer for kingdom hearts and i remember just sitting there like oh my gosh it's Two of my favorite things, Final Fantasy and Disney coming together. Hearing the music that I just I loved the 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 hook in the chorus and stuff. Um, the music was so good and the visuals all like matched up and stuff. And to me, that just I, I loved it. It, it like it, it hit me right in the feels. Still to this day, I go back and watch it and it and it get, does something for me. I love it. What about you guys? So my the game the the game uh, uh series is on this list but not the one that they picked so i'll agree that the, the the latest god of war the opening sequence is very good very good but but god of war 3 that opening is really what made me fall in love with that franchise when kratos is walking up the road um towards the colossus and 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 all the shit goes down then you know and and he has to um he uh then starts up on the the titan and 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 that whole battle sequence that just sucked me in and i was i've been i've been hooked for 10 years since then I mean, that was just just a a phenomenal opening to a game. My other one is also on was not on that list, which was a really close second. And and I had to let this rattle around in there for a while to 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 think, well, which ones do I really remember? And the other one would have been Fallout Three. God, yeah, that's a good one. Sequence in Fallout Three when you just come out of the vault. And you realize that the world is destroyed, and now you're you're in this uh, post-apocalyptic world. And the way they sucked you into that community was just amazing. So those were the two that came to me, just letting it rattle around for a little while this afternoon. Was that um, the one where it's like, I don't want to set the world yeah, on fire? Oh, yeah, so and, and because you're talking to your dad and he's teaching you about life in the vault and all that kind of stuff, uh, and then you, yeah, it's that's just wow. That, <laughs> and you just reminded me of uh, why I love Bioshock so much. the The intro for that is just so impactful, uh, from the aesthetic to the music and all the reasons I love Bioshock. It's it's right there. There were um, a couple of more that that I thought of. Bioshock was one of them. Um uncharted i can't remember which one it was it was either one or two where the plane crashes and they have to climb out of the plane and stuck in the tree and i can't i said two uh two yes i think so have somebody write in and be like no it was three but it's uh no the plane is three the the train is two that's what it was yep Yep, right yep, yep yep Both of those are very, very good openings to games. Very uh, good. Jadines, what about you? Man, you know, I have to really kind of sit and think about this because I don't tend to remember the openings of a lot of video games. Um, so I guess the first one for me would be Gears 1. And I guess that one sits with me because it was kind of the first game I played that actually had a big opening. Like you go through this whole thing of seeing, you know, the backstory um, for the locusts and, and, and um, 
like what humanity Marcus, went through. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and then I was looking at these lists and uh, Forza Horizon 2 and 3 are probably some of the most beautiful things I think I've ever seen in video games. Just like clarity of graphics and color and sound. Yeah. It's just, it's it's a lot and it, it really sets you up to play the game. Um, and I don't know, maybe the first, the, the first Tomb Raider game, like the, of the new ones. I was going to mention Tomb Raider. I, I, that's another one that, that the opening sequences to them are usually pretty yeah, good. They, they, they always do a really good setup um, for those. You know, um, you know my one I didn't, yeah, go ahead. didn't uh, um, care for that much was The Witcher. I, I've never, I've played those games because I enjoy the gameplay, but I don't know if the openings to those ever really did anything for me. I you know, need to go back and finish watching that show. Oh, it's a good show. Um, yeah, the that uh, that's true actually, because Wild Hunt, I had a similar feel of that, and I don't, I think that's why it didn't really grab me. But everybody's like, you got to play that game, and I get it; it's great, and I play it, and all that. But um, the one that that was a close second for me, and this is again because nostalgia is uh, Final Fantasy VIII. When I first started playing that game, it was like this was the game that, like, outside of Final Fantasy VII, Final Fantasy VIII was like the first Final Fantasy game that I, I think I owned, and I like really dove into by myself rather than playing with a friend or something like over at his house. I like I got into that game and I just fell in love with it, and and the intro scene where Squall and and uh, Cipher fighting, uh, I think that was his name, Cipher, Cipher. Uh, but anyway, the bad guy, Cipher, I think is the way you actually pronounce it. Anyway, so the two of them are fighting, and they each give each other their scars, and you kind of get this feel of this is the the rivalry that you're up against. Also, uh, look at these gun blades. How fucking cool is that? And then you get, you know, you, you see kind of the love interest and all that. Like, it kind of like sets up the the story and everything. And at the time, I remember seeing that and being like, "Bro, look at those graphics! Look how great!" <laughs> and uh, I just thought it was so cool. That's the next game they got to make a remake of, by the way, because that would look really, really cool. Uh, Gunblade. You have yet to play a Final Fantasy game. Really? Not ever. I bought the, like the one. I don't know. There's one that they just came out with, and it was on like all the systems. Fifteen. And I bought, uh, maybe it was. I bought it super cheap at Target. For, like one day after I left your house from recording, I stopped at Target for something and picked up. Uh, they had XCOM two and that Final Fantasy, and I think I spent fifteen bucks on for both of them. Jeez, that's cheap. And and haven't haven't played two them. quality quality games. Final Fantasy one fifteen. Day I yeah. Other than division. Final Fantasy 15 is the only Final Fantasy I've ever beaten. You know what's not on here is a lot of Nintendo stuff, and that's probably oh no no I but that, that was my other one. Good that was, reason. That was my other one though. Um, uh, the the Super Smash Brothers Ultimate, and the only reason is because of Aria. So my daughter loves watching me play that, and she's like, "Daddy, can we listen to the song? Can we listen to the song?" So at the very beginning, they got this like song, this like epic uh, song about uh, fighting and fire and all this other stuff. It's like kind of metal, and she loves listening to that song and watching the fighters like kind of fight and stuff. It's really really funny because she'll be like, "Daddy, can we watch it again?" So I have to go to the little media area, and she has to watch it again because she loves watching it. Um, <laughs> but uh, that, that I thought that was funny. Children. Anything. What? Children. whatever she wants you yes. know all right we're running out of time but we do have some uh some good uh full stream ahead news that we're going to share so here we go all right jay dimes this one's on you microsoft said today that it will partner with sony its chief rival in the gaming console space on a new cloud-based solutions for gaming experiences it's unclear what exactly the new collaboration will ultimately lead to but the move is still a surprising one given that the company's Xbox and PlayStation console lines are market competitors. This is very intriguing stuff. 
It very, is. very and, and read read that first line again. Microsoft, Microsoft yeah, said it will said it will partner with you know, Sony. Y'all know what this is? You know what this is? I don't know. What this is it? A, this is the two of them realizing that consoles yep. are not the yep. uh, future of this gaming. The consoles circling the wagon. Yep. Yep. Um, the only thing that surprises me is that it took this it, long. No, that <laughs> I think in this in this version of video game land, I don't think Microsoft needs Sony. They yes, I think I Microsoft, Microsoft could, wants Sony. I think Microsoft could survive this partnership or not. But they know that my, the I think they want the IPs that Sony has. Bingo. Yeah, That's it. it. Could be, I, so so to me, what I think what I think it has to be clarified in this in this article is that this is not Microsoft Xbox. This is Microsoft. This is big Microsoft saying hey, as a company, we can make money if we do some work with, with Sony the video game. Because yeah. this, oh. is, this is exactly what we've talked about in the past where Sony needs to step up their game, and, and who knows, they might be. And, and really, the, the stark thing in this article that I encourage everybody to read is like Azure. So yeah. that's their cloud platform. Will Sony's uh, cloud platform you know, version of PlayStation run on Azure. Will it run using, you know, like these Microsoft services? Uh, and what will that do for cross-platform gaming is another thing. So I think that it, it it offers a lot more questions than necessarily we have answers to at this point. But just like we do with all of this stuff, we'll be keeping an eye on this one because I think that this has the potential to really open things up uh, we've talked about how cloud gaming is really the future of these cloud platforms. Having a platform to play on is way more appealing to consumers rather than owning a box at this point as, as internet infrastructure becomes um, up to par. So we'll see. Um, but I thought it was a very interesting story. Yeah, I think this is sort of Sony capitulating and saying, you know what? We know that cloud gaming is the future, and we do not have the infrastructure yeah. or the clout to make that happen. Yep. So, and Sony wants their games, so Microsoft this is the way we make too. it happen. I'm sorry, Microsoft wants Sony's game. So, yep. they say this is what we have to bargain with. Let's uh, let's try to make ourselves relevant in the future. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, let's. Uh, I do have a, a video game review to share with you guys. So let's jump right into that. Yes, and the reviews were so mixed. I'm surprised. Gears Tactics. Jay Dimes, have you played it? I have not. Oh my god. So let me tell you what works really, really well in a uh, in a turn based shooter, and that is the Gears franchise. <laughs> the Gears franchise works really, really well. A lot of it is actually, honestly, dude, it looks like it's played in the Gears engine. It's just the camera's backed way the fuck up, and you're and you're you're telling people where to move. All of the animations and stuff are exactly the same as what you see in Gears Five. Um, the characters are all. I don't want to say too much because there's some spoilery stuff as far as who some characters are. But what I'll say is that from a story perspective. It's okay. It's it, it takes place basically um, not too far after you know like the emergence day E day or whatever it was, um, but what you get is uh, is sort of a new perspective for what people were going through. Some of the some of the the various soldiers. It plays a lot like uh, like XCOM. Honestly, it plays exactly like XCOM, um, but the fact that you can rush up on somebody take a chainsaw to their back and chop them in half. And it's also, I think a little bit faster paced than something like, like XCOM because the overwatch features are really, really cool where you can hit multiple things. You can have uh, like, it's way more dynamic in its reaction. Um, there, uh, it, It's a little 
There are some things that are a little bit like, um, what's the term? Just uh, it's a lot to deal with, like some of the the armor and some of the the upgrades. Like there are a lot of upgrades that you can choose for your characters. Um, whereas in something like an XCOM, which is kind of like I, I feel like a baseline for a lot of those games, XCOM is, uh, you know, fairly like you have a couple options as far as how you uh how you level up your characters you follow those this it's like you got a whole tree and you got to choose all these things and there are a lot of options um so if that's your cup of tea that's cool not really my cup of tea so i'm not really all that crazy about it this but again like the story is okay kind of where i'm at i'm not too far into it but what i'll say is that just from a gameplay perspective because i love turn-based action games like this uh, you know, XCOM, um, Fire Emblem, uh, all, all those sorts of things. I love them. This is right up my alley. If you like those sorts of games, do yourself a favor. Go subscribe to um, the Xbox Game Pass. It's on there for free. Download it and give it a shot. Uh, the fact that it's basically XCOM in a Gears wrapper is I'm all about it. So I, I would give this a solid... Six and a half out of ten. Seven out of ten. Oh, I'll round it halves up. now. Seven out of ten. I'll give it a seven out of ten. It's it, uh, it's so, good. Can it's you good. only play against the computer, or can you play against only other... against the computer? See, I how would they, it compare to TFT? Miss the uh, miss the boat on it. Like you should be able to play against. Uh, you could do it in XCOM. XCOM is a multiplayer yeah. game, so I mean, unless unless they'll eventually uh, allow you to do that, I, I don't know. I mean, like. It's fun as it is. Like I'm, I'm enjoying it. But yeah, I think that they have an opportunity. So, but what was your question, Diddy? How would it compare to TFT? Oh, I mean, apples and oranges. Uh, TFT is different. It's a, that's like auto chess. Yeah, so. but in a turn-based. Uh, no, this is more. This is more strategic. Now, now, because this is. Have you ever played an XCOM? Like XCOM? It's way more like XCOM. So this oh, is more. Okay. This is going to be way more like you got to hide behind cover. You got to move over here and hide behind cover. Get ready for these guys who are going to swarm you. And the emergence holes are really cool. You got to like throw grenades in them and uh, waves of of locusts come out. It's neat, man. So yeah, do yourself a favor and uh, and give it a shot. Um, guys, that's it. That's a show. We did a thing. So why don't we clap it out? Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for listening to today's show. And if you enjoyed it, head over to uh, your favorite podcatcher. Leave us a five-star rating. And uh, and you can also head over to joystickandmouse.com where you can subscribe to your favorite podcatcher. All the links are there. While you're there, you can also find ways to contact me, Diddy, and J-Dimes. You can follow us on our social medias, on Twitch, and all that good stuff. If you'd like to chime in on any of the conversation that we've had today, email joystickandmouse at gmail.com. So until next time, Don. See you later, folks. J-Dimes. Bye. So long, everybody. Stay safe out there. See you next time. If you like this show, check out more great content at IncastMediaNetwork.com. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> Kylo Ren Funko Pop, you say? This is not me just testing my voice, but it is. All right, go ahead, Don, say something. I, this this uh, Kylo Ren Funko Pop's legit. That's really nice. Jade Imes, what do you think about the Kylo Ren Funko pun, Pop? The Funko Pop. Funko Pop. I don't know how I feel about that. I mean, I don't mind Kylo Ren. My um, favorite Star Wars character. Seriously? I love him. Seriously? No. Not Vader, not Luke. Not Us. Leia, but Kylo. Yep, the most emo of them all. He is not as emo as Anakin talking about sand and shit. I think well, he played. True. I think that I think Adam Driver played a better Anakin than no. Hayden Christensen. No, 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 I don't. I don't. I don't particularly like Anakin. I like Vader. No, no, no. I know, but I, but what I'm saying well, is, yeah. is that that's why I think I liked it was just because it felt like he was more of an Anakin than. Anakin is. You, I, Kylo, I, Kylo's not even, I don't even think he's in my top 10. No. They, my favorite was only in one movie. I'll take the entire cast of Rogue Jar Jar. One over Darth Maul. <laughs> <laughs>
Darth Maul is my favorite character in all of Star Wars. No, Darth loved Maul it. is not allowed to be your favorite character because he went loved out it quick. Loved it. He, the only reason that he's allowed to be your top character is because of all the context that's given in those Clone Wars shows. Yeah, and it's, it's brilliant. It's Clone Wars, and it's it's brilliant. fantastic. He has a but brilliant I, story arc. I did and the get a close second. in Solo when he pops up. Yep. in the middle. Of, so yeah, he doesn't show up in one oh. movie, Don. He shows up. Oh, in that's two. right. He's in two. You're right. He's in two movies. If you count Solo as a part of the actual canon of Star Wars, I do. I love Solo. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, I do. I think anybody who says otherwise is a wiener. Uh, okay, let's go. Wiener. 